There are so many people in our world that are so brilliant, so intelligent, and they cannot uh, grasp or, or catch or lay hold to the simplicity and to the greatness of this truth. It is not a complicated truth. And by the time it's been filtered through all of our concepts, it becomes very muddled, fuzzy, and confused and frustrated. But if you just sat down and read the book. I had Reverend Sun Moon had several people in our area several years ago. I'm fixing to get into my lesson, but I'm going to kind of warm up to you a little bit so we can kind of connect. And um, they came by to present to me the option of flying to Korea, a free flight. And I said, is this, is this one way around trip? I said, no, it'll be round, round trip. Okay. And we talked a while and I said, um, what do you think about truth and Bible and God? Well, you know, everybody says they have the truth. I said, well, I have the truth. And they said, there were several of these young people in my office, they said, but... Everybody says, every church in this city we've gone to, they said, they have the truth. I said, well then, let's just, whatever the Bible would say. They said, um, well, like what? I said, well, if the Bible says, thou shalt not commit adultery, well, we wouldn't have to explain that or just embrace it. Well, yes. I said, and if it says, thou shalt not covet, steal, lie, bear false witness, we would embrace it. They said, well, yes. And I said, if it said, be baptized into the name of Jesus Christ, would we do it, embrace it, or, well, we would embrace it. And I said, well, just let me read it. And I did, and they looked at one another and said, well, I've never heard that. And we would like to be baptized. And I baptized them in the name of Jesus Christ. It's not... This is not a complicated doctrine. It's not a, now there's a lot of things in the Bible that is complicated, but the truth that we understand as one God, salvation, new birth, is not a complicated truth or doctrine. It's that unique ability that people fail to have to embrace it and act upon it. I want to talk to you tonight about God's glorious church, but I'm going to present... Uh, an idea or a truth that I feel is extremely critical. I think that the devil, I think Satan and God have major issues. Well, actually that wasn't even supposed to be funny, but I thank you. <laughs> but I think God and the devil have major issues, and I think Satan has major issues with God that he has not, cannot, he has not resolved. And that you and I are right in the middle of this conflict. Of course, we are on the side of this eternal God. I think the devil has a, a very strong issue with this God alone principle. I think he has issue with this God's word that out of all the writings and all the structured documents in the world, that there is only one piece of document 
that binds the entire human race to it that nothing is exempt and I think he has problems with that major problems and I think the third thing is that out of all the multiple of peoples and religions and ideologies and philosophies that there is one segment of people that's not an embodiment of religion but an embodiment of power, truth and the name of our God and I think that that is an affront to the agenda of hell that's why Jesus made it clear that upon this rock I will build my church and out of all the things he could have said about our difficulties, he said, the gates of hell. Jesus let it be known up front that the moment I establish my church in this world, hell will go into a, a major conflict against this great church. But I have decided that I will so build, shape, and create this church that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, the gates of hell has prevailed against literature. The gates of hell has prevailed against technology. The gates of hell, when I speak of the gates of hell, I'm talking about the counsels, the agenda, the intentions of the dark and the damned and the evil forces. And they have prevailed against education. They have prevailed against the world around us in the marital aspect. They have prevailed against the educational facilities of our world and the philosophers and the mentalities of men. But yet still, the gates of hell has not prevailed against this great apostolic Jesus-named church. And God said it would not prevail against this church. You and I do not have to worry, will this church make it? It is predestined and predetermined. This church is not on the table. It's not in negotiation. Neither is its doctrine, its principles, or its truth. This is God's church. So God decides its agenda, its doctrine, its relationships, its boundaries, its walls. But there are issues that the devil has, and um, one of the, uh, the first issue I think is so critical is I think that the scripture in a few places reveals the very agitated, frustrated power of evil. In this idea, this truth, this biblical truth of accuracy and truth is that, that there is one true eternal God alone by himself, unassisted, unpaught, all-sufficient, unaccountable to anything but his word and his will and the nature and the attributes of what he is. God is not accountable to no man, to no human being, to no religious body, or to no church group of people. He is accountable only to himself. He is unassisted in whatever and so ever he may choose to do. He is, uh, Isaiah 40 says, who taught him? He knew, somebody knew he was intelligent. Now, who taught him? Nobody has taught our God. Nobody sat him down in a classroom and said, look at the board, repeat after me. Nobody done that. He is unassisted. He is all-sufficient. 
He needs nothing outside of himself to exist and to be God. I love talking about God. Some people like to talk about religion. Some folks like to talk about people. I enjoy talking about God. I enjoy sitting at a table and talking to people about God. I enjoy strangers just talking to them about God. I remember one day I come out of the mall and there was some Harry Christmas there and they asked me would I like to buy some books. I said, no, I don't think I would be interested. And they followed me and got around in my face. I would like you to buy these books. And I said, but I don't think I would be interested in those books, but thank you anyway. And I turned and when two more got in front of me said, but I want you to stop and look at these books. I said, sir, I know who you are. I know who God is. There is one God who is eternal, omnipotent, all-knowing, omniscient, without limits and without bounds. That's the God I know about. That's the God I worship. They turned to walk away and I said, no, come back. And I pulled them back. I said, now you started and you wanted to talk it. And I'm willing right here on the corner to tell you I know in whom I have believed. I know the name that is above every name and the power that has no bounds and no limits. I enjoy this conversation and talking about God. This God operates in a dimension alone. He is original at his own good pleasure. The devil takes issue with this. Notice this. When Adam and Eve was put in the garden, the Bible said that the serpent, more subtle than any beast of the field, come over to them and said, uh, can you eat of everything in the garden? And the woman at the time had not been named. She said, well, we can eat of everything in the garden. But one tree, we cannot eat of that. And the devil said that, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as God. I think the devil has this problem, that there's only one being that has all this power, that there is only one force, one deity that has all of this authority that calls all the shots. And he says, you know, I believe it, but I don't accept it. And I have this agenda that I'm going to convince people that they can either be gods or form them a god or make them a god or create a god. And he said, if you eat of this, then God knows. Beware of this, God knows. We do not live by what God knows. We live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God knows all things. And if he has not said it to us, then we don't know it. And we're not here to deal with what we think God may know. We are here to live and behave and to what we understand God has said. You know what you know about God? What he said and what he does. What he says and what he does is how we know who and what this great God is. And uh, it was their misconception or misunderstanding that they embraced the word of the devil over the word of God. And in so doing, they did not become God. You can't become a God. There is nothing that can become God. Nothing becomes God. At the recent general conference on the election day, and I don't mean to make a problem, but just make a statement. There was a book announced about when Jesus became God. And I was sitting in the audience and I said, uh, that's not true. That's error. 
And several around me looked at me and laughed and said, What are you talking about? I said, That's error. Jesus did not become God. Jesus cannot become God. Jesus always was God. Before Bethlehem's manger, He pre-existed as the eternal Spirit. At Bethlehem's manger, He incarnated Himself in the human being of the Son, and the Son received the name, Hebrews 1 and 4 and John 17, of the Father, which was Jesus. But man never became God. No man can become God. There is nothing that can become God. The devil has a problem with this doctrine that surely there's got to be something I can do to disrupt this ideology or, or this concept that only one is God. There's nothing the devil and hell or heaven or earth or anybody can do. There is only one God and He is Spirit. He's omnipresent. He has no perimeters. He has no bounds. He is God. I believe that this I believe that this is a major a major difficulty with the powers of hell. That's why in Isaiah 12, he said, How art thou fallen, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into the heaven. I will exalt my throne. The devil, whatever Lucifer was, whatever dimension of power he had, he had this understanding, he had this position, he did have a throne. But a throne was not what he wanted. He wanted more than a throne. He wanted more than an angelic position. He wanted more than just some place in the great scheme of creation. He wanted this essence of deity. He wanted this being of supremacy and power. He wanted to be able to make a tree from nothing, to make a fish and a whale. He wanted to stretch out a universe by himself, and someone else has done, done it, and someone else made him. And he was missing the point because he who made all things made nothing greater than himself. If he did, it would have taken over him. For the devil is well understood that if he had been created greater than God, he would have overcome God. You know why the church should have no fear? He made nothing greater than himself. And this is his church. And nothing has greater power or is greater than our God. Everybody clap your hands with me. How many is helping me a little bit here tonight? Now let's clap together. Let's worship. I got to go out with a bang. So you got to make me look like I'm doing good. Make me look good. I'll go out and say nice things about you. The devil takes issue with this. You wonder why we have so many Trinitarian ideologies? You wonder why there are so many multiplicity of gods in third world countries and the world around? Because the devil says this is just too much for one to say, I'm it. Alone, by myself. I stretched out there 44. I stretched out the heavens alone. I did it by my... I need nothing or no one. I create things not out of need, but out of pleasure. There is nothing that I need, but I enjoy what I create. There is a God, one God. And this is where hell has such a problem. That's why they say, why do you have to get stuck on just this one God? Why can't every nation have their God? Because there are no gods but one God. Why can't every part of the world form their own God? 
this God said, you can't have any other gods before. He told Israel, you can have no other gods. Why? Why? Why, why are we so... Why did that bring punishment to Israel? Why would God destroy them if they brought idols into their world? Why? Because when you make an idol, you make it more of a copy of you and of me. When Israel had a chance to make a god, it looked like a cow. We don't make good gods. We don't make pretty gods. We don't make big cat strong gods. We make stupid looking gods. We make dumb looking gods. God said, don't make a god. You don't need to make a god. I am the Lord. Besides me, there is no god. In Matthew 4, he said, again, the devil taketh him, Jesus, to exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said to him, all these things will I give you if you'll just fall down and worship me. I've, I've had this thing eaten at me for hundreds and hundreds of years. This thing bugs me all the time. I need to be worshipped. I want to be God. I want people to be God. I want worlds around me to worship God. I want to get in control of this God thing. And we say, it can't be done. And Jesus said, it's not going to work. You tried to get Adam and Eve to believe they was a God, and what you said, two sentences, 46 words is all you said to those two people. Two sentences, 46 words. You didn't make them God, but they lost the garden, and they lost everything else, and they lost eternal life, and they lost health. Then their eyes started going dim, the ears going deaf, the teeth started rotting out. They had to get out and start working hard for a living, having children in pain and suffering. You told them they could be a God. They can't be a God. They wasn't a God. There is no other God. I can't let you. I cannot worship you. There is no other God. This is an issue with God. Don't even think about having another God. Don't even think about diffusing God and breaking Him down in a tritheistic concept. Don't ever do that. It's a death sentence. God told Adam that I think I will let you name the animals. Whatever you call them, that will be their name. Well, you know, when you got to go through phonics, it's not easy. And so an animal walks by and Adam and the Lord says, come on, come on. No, no. Come on, come on. That cat. Good. Write it down, Michael. Yeah. And then another animal come by and he said, All right, what, what, what is it? The, 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 oh, uh, the, come on, you're doing good. You're doing good. We've only been on this a hundred years. Come on now. The, the dog. All right, doing good. Now we're going to step up a little more. There's a big, big animal coming out of the woods now. 
And he said, name all the creatures. And he named them. After they left the garden, he named his wife. Up to that time, she'd be called woman. Woman. Everybody called her woman. There was no way to get her confused. She happened to be the only one in town. But when they got outside of the garden, he said, Eve, Eve. Now here's what's so good about it. He named all the animals. He named his wife. He named his kids. God never said, you can name me. I've already got my name. I am the Lord. You don't name me. I name myself. I've named myself. I don't let nobody name me. Don't call me what I have not called myself. If I don't call myself Trinity, don't you name me Trinity. Don't you name me the Holy Three. You just call me the Holy One or God or Elohim or Adonai. Don't name me what I have not named myself. Are we doing okay up to now? He said, if you would just fall down and worship me, and I say, why? Why? What claim do you have to worship? What have you done that is worthy of one hallelujah? What has the powers of hell done that is worth one amen? What has the dark regions of the damned and the forces of evil done that's worthy of one choir song? Nothing at all. But I know who is worthy. Him only shall you serve and not another. And don't bow your knee to any other God nor make unto any graven images, but worship the Lord and Him only shall you worship and no other God. Ladies and gentlemen, the greatest thing in all of the world, please believe me tonight. And great men have spoken that I'm not even worthy of their shadow because these men are highly intelligent. I am just a man that digs out from the Word of God. But the safest, the only secure place in the world is in the oneness of this great God to stand before Him and say, I will bless the Lord at all times and His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Enter into His courts with praise, into His gates with thanksgiving. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name for the Lord is good and His truth and good all generations. Don't ever get tired of raising your hands. Don't ever get tired of clapping your hands. Don't ever get tired of magnifying God. Several years ago, there was a couple my wife and I met downtown, Mudu and Uma Shah. They were from India. They had come to America. They was in our city. I was, uh, we were out inviting someone to church, and the lady was not home that we intended to see. When we knocked on the door, Uma opened the door and said, They are not home. And I said, Well, if they're not home, you are. you got to take their place and come to church. And her husband, Mudu Shah, walked to the door and said, Yes. I said, um, I want y'all to come to our church in the morning. And they came several weeks and we'd visit and talk and pray. One day she got in the car 
And she took the stamp of the gods of India and all of a sudden started pasting them on the dash of my car. And I said, no, you can't do that. And I heard her feelings and she looked at me and started to cry. She said, I go to your church, I sing to your God, I pray to your God. One thing for sure, the only one that I know answers prayers in America right now seems to be your God. So why can I just share with you my God? I said, look around in my car. She looked around. I said, you've been in our services several times. I said, do you ever remember seeing one thing that we said is the image, the picture, portrait of our God? I said, well, no. How come? I said, our God is so good, so big, so limitless. So eternal. There's not a piece of ink or a piece of paint. There's not a piece of stone. There is not one image or idol or photograph that could even get close to his greatness, to the majesty of what he is. So we just know by his word that he is great and he is greatly to be praised. And we worship no other God but one God who was manifest in flesh and his name is Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a day for God's church to be nervous and uncomfortable in a society that wants to get everybody on this equal place, equal status. And you've heard all of these great men bring all of these philosophers and and the names of these guys themselves should have told people that's not right. I mean, they got four names, 30 letters. They got names you can't even say. The mama was mad when they had them hanging a name like that. And people are buying into that. Let me tell you an easy name to say. That guy called his name Jesus. That he shall save us. Come on. That's an easy name to say. Can I go a little farther? Are y'all helping me? I can't tell a lot of it. I need more fuel. More energy. The Bible college, I need help. Don't do it now after I ask for it. Don't give me no attitude. Great singing tonight. Great singing tonight. Great singing tonight. I can sing, but I don't. When I sing, they say, my, there's just no end to that man's talent. So there's no sense in overshadowing anybody. I believe Satan has a tremendous issue with this concept that out of everything written, you're bound to one thing, the Word of God. And he cast a severe reflection and he said to Adam and Eve, Has God said? And they said, Yes. The domino effect, now listen, the domino effect is in our world. I've written a book, it's soon to be out. I said that last year, but I'm serious now, it's really soon to be out. And one of the chapters is the domino effect. Many of our good religious friends that are very fundamental and sincere have been closed-mouthed and closed-minded at the dismantling of every biblical principle and doctrine and I had no problem with it. 
until all of a sudden gay marriage, abortion, and homosexual priests, and now they're rising up to cry out about it. And my point is that one by one, every piece of truth has been dismantled, and you said nothing. When it got to Jesus' name, baptism, one name is as good as another name. As long as you believe in one God, whether three in one or one in three, somatics is all it is at all. And you said nothing. When they talked about new birth of water and spirit, speaking in tongues as evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you said, well, we all have different views about languages. Finally, you now want to raise your head. You're late, thousands of years late. The first time that one element of truth is destroyed, that is the time to rise up and say, you don't wait till it's widespread. You rise up right then and there and say, no, no, there is only one God. There is only one name that is given for salvation. And when the spies came back, Moses said, did you see anything there? Yes an abundance of food. Everything they said was true. The place is rich. It flows with milk and honey. Cholesterol and calories are unreal. And they said, is that all? No, we saw the sons of Anak. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this may be a revelation to you. It may not. The sons of Anak were three guys. Three guys. They had an unusually long neck. That's what their name meant. Long neck. That's a fact. And they said, we're not able to take the land. I don't know how 12 men felt they couldn't take on three long-necked guys and tend to it. That's fear for you. That's why. God was not angry because they were 12 men against 12 million. You had them outnumbered four to one, and you ran. God said, you're going to run 38 more years. Now you said, what is the issue? The issue is this. In Joshua, the first two chapters, he said, we're going to take the land now. But he said, the Anakim, or the sons of Anak, are now in the mountain, in the valley, in the hills, and in the village. Who was once three has now expanded till they saturate the world. Understand with me tonight, false doctrine doesn't shrink. Error doesn't just go away. Right now it may be real small. Someone said, well, how, how widespread is that? It really doesn't matter. If one believes it, it's wrong. It doesn't get more long because a thousand believe it. If ten preachers of the Pentecostal church believe something that's wrong, it's wrong. If a thousand believes it, it's not any more wrong. If ten believe it, it's not any less wrong. It's wrong if it's not right. And we don't wait till they start birthing and birthing and birthing and producing and producing. It's easier to kill three long-necked guys than it is to clean out all the caves, the mountains, the hills, the valleys, and everything else. You know what we ought to do? Stand up and preach this truth. Never be intimidated. Never be afraid. Never be awkward. Never be embarrassed. Just stand up and say there is only one God. His name is Jesus. In Him we live, we move, and we have our being. It's a time to get to feeling good about the truth. We're not on the defense. We're on the offense. We're not afraid to stand up and say... It's a time to get to feeling good about the truth. We're not on the defense. We're on the offense. We're not afraid to stand up and say there is only one God. Is the Word of God so critical? Yes. Adam and Eve took two sentences. 
46 words and tore their world upside down. The devil doesn't have to give you much to destroy you. Some people think we've got to have volumes and volumes and volumes of books. That's not so. Just a few words. 46 words cost them the garden. Cost them eating of every tree. Cost them walking every day with God in the cool of the day. It cost them everything. And now they're out there working. And he says to Adam, how did it go today? And he said, what do you mean how did it go today? I am tired, wore out, zapped, exhausted, mad, frustrated. Every moment I pull a root, I remember there was a garden. Eve, whatever you do, don't ever talk to a snake. Don't even talk to a lizard that you thought might even be close to a snake. Don't even get to a green snake or a black snake. It may be a king snake that's your friend. It is not your friend. We are anti-snake. This has cost us something that is unreal. I am not willing to give up one piece of truth for any fellowship with anybody. I love the world. Someone asked me one time, someone asked me one time, said, how far do we need to go to save the world? Just as far as Jesus went, because we can't save anybody He can't save. And Jesus compromised nothing, but He gave all of Himself, but He compromised nothing. And this apostolic church must give all of itself and compromise nothing, because you must remember, this is not your church, and it's not the deacon's church, and it's not the organization's church, but it's God's church. It's a glorious church. It has no spot, no wrinkle, or any such thing. And that's his church. And he said, this is what you believe. This is the name. I do not believe you're supposed to have bumper stickers on your car that says, get baptized in Jesus' name, or you're going to go straight to hell and burn, burn, baby, burn. I think that's aggressive, rude, crude, and arrogant. But at the same time, we must mount every pulpit and stand before the world and say, God said, and that's what we preach. We don't have to make it an issue of conflict with any guests in our church or the world. Just preach the truth. When I baptize someone in Jesus' name, I don't explain to them the entire Trinitarian panorama of theology. I don't tell them when it was changed and who changed it and what happened. I don't repeat all the other things when I'm teaching the church. I go into a lot of things. But when I baptize someone, I just make it real clear. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, he makes you of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then baptize them into the name of Jesus Christ. Am I by myself tonight? Anybody on my side? You may not realize it or not, but when I get through, it is the end of the conference. You gotta be kidding. This is the end of it. When I'm through tonight, it is over. I know we've been through a whole week of conference in a day and a half. It's been good, packed, long. This afternoon after eight, I got so tired and I enjoyed Brother Mullen Pa. And somebody over here, Brother Mike Chance, he thought I went to sleep. I did not exactly go to sleep. 
I closed my eyes only for a moment because I was in the creation. It is a long conference and I am not going to hold you all night long. I'm trying to wind down but and I'm having trouble getting through this. God's Word is so critical. If you believe this, dismount this, dismantle it from your conscience. That if we would circumvent the Word, we can have healing, miracles, and moves of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved, hovered, breathed on the face of the waters. God created the heavens, and the earth was formless, the great void covered with water and compassed with darkness, and the Spirit hovered. But not one thing of divine activity happened at the hovering moving of the Spirit. No blade of grass grew no fin appeared on a fish. No apple was on the tree. No grape in a vine. Until God said, Let there be light. Let there be sun and moon and stars. Stop believing that if we will circumvent the Word, and if we would just bypass some of this truth, more people will come. Great revival would happen. And folks would get healed. That's a lie. It doesn't happen by circumventing the Word. When Adam and Eve disbelieved the Word of God and embraced the words of Satan, it cost them a fortune. And everybody in this room tonight is paying a price of those 46 words issued from the gates of hell in the Garden of Eden by the powers of darkness themselves. Everybody here still suffers today because of that. The answer is preaching the Word of God, telling people about His name, telling people about His power. When you get up to preach, go ahead and unleash the Word. When you get up to preach, unleash the Word of God. Quote Scripture. Don't quote Reader's Digest so much. Don't read from a pack of notes off of the computer. Say something about God. Say something about His name. Say something about His power. There's something that begins to happen in an audience where they get focused on God and they get focused on His Word, all of a sudden there is a rising of faith. And when the faith starts rising, the power of God begins to be released. And when God starts releasing His power, men are released from sickness and diseases and pain and sin. Don't ever be afraid to preach, teach, talk, say, Jesus, one God's salvation, talking in tongues, your righteousness, holiness, Never be afraid to preach the truth. The Word is so critical to us. Jesus said this, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Well, some rumble around here, John the Baptist, somebody else, said just Jeremiah, somebody else said Isaiah, somebody else said John the Baptist. And what did that tell you? It tells you that they don't have a consensus of who Jesus is. Why is the Bible so important? Look at the legislature in all of your states that you represent here tonight. 
they never can get a consensus on anything. California recently, recently, took a poll. 62% of the California people said no to gay marriage. The legislature got together and said, we're going to pass the law. It's okay. Man to man, woman to woman, you can be married. The governor said, I'm going, to, I'm going to veto it. You have a massive state. People, one thing, legislature and the governor. There was not a consensus. The world, the court, the law has no consensus on God, homosexuality, what constitutes marriage, is what is creation, how did the world get here. The world has no consensus on that. They have no consensus about anything of any major importance. When the Supreme Court, the law of the land, hears any arguments, then they come out and vote. There's a five to four decision. Oftentimes in a four dissenting decision, the four will have someone of that four write a strong, vehement opinion of dissent and say, this is where we stand strong. Oh, why? Those nine men, hearing everything there is to hear, hearing all the arguments and reading all the material. Nine men cannot get together. Any major issue in America. You know why we don't go to Congress for truth? You know why we don't go to the President for truth? Do you know why we don't go to universities for truth? They have no concept and consensus. You know where we go to get truth? We go right here to this book. Because His Word is forever set. You know what Moses believed? He believed in one God. You know what Isaiah believed? He believed in one God. Jeremiah said he fills all space. David believed what Jeremiah I believed. 139 of Psalms. If I go to heaven, He's there. If I make my bed in hell, if I go to the depths of the ocean, He's there. Whether shall I flee from the presence? He's everywhere. That's God. You know what Paul believed? One God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, above all, through all, and in you all. You know what John said? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory. You know what they all said? Consensus. One God. One God. One God. The law of the land does not speak for God. No president, no governor speaks for God. Nobody speaks for God. He speaks for himself. And we communicate what he says. Revelations unto the angel of the church write. Saith he, the first, the last. Revelation 1 and 8, I am the Almighty. 1 and 17, the first, the last. I am the Almighty besides me. There is no God. Isaiah 44, 24. I am alone in all of this. Only me. The Word of God is so critical to us. Because there's nowhere in this world you go that you can get a consensus on gay marriage. But the Bible is clear. It is a sin. We don't stand with Anita Bryant. We stand with Jesus Christ. We stand with the Word of God. We don't stand with the President. And we don't stand with Rush Limbaugh. And we don't stand with Sean Hannity. And we don't stand with anybody else. We stand with the Word of God. And God says very clearly, You want to be saved? John 3 and 3, You must be born again. And you must be born again or you can't even see the kingdom. The fifth verse, You can't even get into it without being born again of water. You said, I heard that today. We need to hear it so we're so full of it. 
till it pours out of our sweat, till it pours out of our heart. We ought to feel good to know in a world that's gone fuckers, a world that's gone nuts, in a society that's gone absolutely crazy. We ought to feel good to stand up and say, come here. I got the answer. I got the answer. I know in whom I have believed and that he's able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I got the answer. Satan has a grave, a grave issue with this idea of two people in a garden, fenced in, and nobody is right but God and them. We face it every day that people have this problem, and it stems from the very powers of hell. You just can't buy this idea that your church is the only church right. But that really is the truth. Now, it's not our church. This is what we don't grasp. i tell you what I told my church. You don't have a church. Unless you happen to have died, bled, rose from the dead, then you can have a church. Huh? Because the church he has, he purchased with his own blood. And they followed him through the regeneration of death, burial, and resurrection. We don't get saved by coming to Jesus, joining a church, shaking hands with the preacher, and simple believism, and embracing an ideology, and get a signed card, and say, we'll give $100 a month. That's not how we get saved. That's not how this church operates. It's like in my own neighborhood. I have a house. In my neighborhood, I have 2.9 acres. And that is my house. And that is my yard. And if my neighbors got together and said, you know what, we want to have a party in your yard, then I would say, but you can't. This is my yard. And they'll say, but we've all voted and discussed and had dialogue. And we have decided that your yard is the yard we want. We're just going to arrange it a little bit. And I say, no, it is my yard. This is my house. This is my dwelling. And some people say, you know what? We're going to get to heaven. But we have decided we like God's heaven. We just don't like the way He wants us to get there. So what we've decided is to revamp a new plan to get there. And He says, uh-uh. You can go to your heaven. You can't go to my heaven. You can't even get there. You can't find it unless I come down and get you and take you with me. And where I am, there you will be also. And I'm not coming for everybody. I'm coming after my church. It's a glorious church. Not having spot, wrinkle, blemish, or any such thing. But it's blameless and holy. I'm coming after my church. We need to understand that the United Pentecostal Church is not the church. It certainly is a part of the church body and believers in the world. But there's hundreds of people that is a part of this great, glorious church. It does not have a specific name because there's only one name. So, I mean, one church, so we don't have to be identified other than God's church. And we bear His name. The powers of hell has a problem with this. I've got a problem with this. It's that you're the church. What you say is right. What anybody else says is unacceptable. And you say, you're right. I've got a problem with that. 
Well, get over it. This church embraces truth. Now, let me give you an acid warning here. Do not think that this embracing truth will further the purpose of God down the road. Hebrews 6 says, after having been partakers of the Holy Ghost, taking, tasting the good Word of God, enlightened that if we should fall away from truth, not God, I believe people can backslide and be saved. But backsliding is one thing. You can come back to God. But falling away from truth, the disembracing of truth, cannot be repented of, or cannot be forgiven. Well, I thought he could forgive. He can forgive everything. Could he forget? He can forgive you. If you can repent. But if you disembrace truth, I do not believe truth. Therefore, you will not repent. Therefore, you will not be forgiven. It's not a weakness in the forgiveness of God, but it is an apostate behavior in the mentality of a man. We can't disembrace truth. We can't decide that in these days of difficulty, when the church is growing great and doing great, and yet the world says, we're not far from your doorstep, we still must say, I'm sorry, but what we believe is what He says for us to believe. If He says something different, we will do something different, but it's got to do more than, yeah, 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 the Lord would say, it can't be that. It's got to be something else. But right now, His Word is forever settled in heaven. And what He says to this glorious church, is what this glorious church embraces. And that's where the power of God comes, but it's never our power. And I'm wrapping up here with this. I don't know how much more I got on my notes. Let me see real quick here. I got one, two, three, four. Yes, that's close. I'm almost on the last page there right now. And so what he says, this is that the power of God that is in this church is not our power. The Bible never says it's our power. When you get the Holy Spirit power of God, it's never your power, but it's God's power. He never said that if you have power, you can say to the sycamine tree, be plucked up and cast to the sea. And it Will be done. He never said if you have power, you can do that. He never said that you can say to this mountain, be plucked up and cast to the sea, and it will be cast to the sea. He never said that if you have the power, you can do it. He said if you have the faith, you can do it. I have the power, you have the faith. This power is never our power. It's always God's power. It's always God's name. And it's always God's truth. It's never ours to do with what we want to do with it. Mark sixteen fifteen. He that believes in and baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that not has power, but believe. The signs do not follow the power. We don't have power to indiscriminately do what we want to do. Jesus and Matthew gave him power, gave the seventy power. They come back two chapters later and said we couldn't heal something. Some things could not be done. They said the man come down and said my son is vexed of a devil. Can you deliver him? And the disciples tried and they could not. He said they tried they could. Jesus just gave them power over spirit, but the power was never theirs to do what they wanted to do in the way they wanted to do it. If God released His word to us to be ours, we would change. We would. We would. If God released His name to us and said, Now, this is the name I'm giving you. If you want a different name, if this somehow crowds the world around you, do it. You know what? We would have changed the name. If the power of God was relinquished to us. Now, it's yours, no longer mine. I cut my power from me. I give it to you. It's now your power. Then you would say, All right. You know what? 
There were people we would not let die. There's some folks that we would kill. So, this is God's glorious church. We have God's great name. We have God's great power. We have the revelation, the knowledge of God, the power of God, the name of God is resident within this church, but it's never our name to fool with. It's never our power to do with. It's never our revelation to shape it to the culture and the world. We just stand here as a mouthpiece saying, Hero Israel, here a world, here America, there is one God, and His name is one. And that name is above every name of Philippians 2 and 9. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess the things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. We have to send a clear message. We love the whole world as people needing God. And we bring to them this great message. Now, the world is never going to get I'm, I'm closing. The world is never going to get it. Some people doesn't get it. Some people reminds me of Little Red Riding Hood. The girl was dumb. But grandmother, what big ears you have! Well, it's all the better to hear you with. And but grandmother, what big paws you have! All the better to hug you with. After a while, you'd say to Little Red Riding Hood, "You really think that's your grandma?" I mean, she never, she could not get it. Grandmother, what big teeth you have! I just went to the dentist. And you'd say to Little Red Riding Hood, You know, kid, I don't know who your mom and daddy is, but you got hit in the head, you're dumb. That's not your grandmother. That's the big bad wolf. Stop believing everybody out here is wanting to give you something you don't have. And after a while, you look at them and say, but you know, the name you got's not right. Oh, but the name is no issue. I notice you don't believe the Bible. Well, the book is you're written by men. You can't believe everything that a man writes. After a while, you need to wake up. That's not your grandmother. That's not God. That's not the Father. That's not the Spirit. That's the powers of hell saying to the church, if you change a little bit. Now, in a deeper theological position, the first pig said, give me some straw. And the first pig built a house with straw, and here come the big bad wolf. And he said, let me in. And the little pig said, no, not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. Well, I'll let you in. And the wolf said, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. Well, the little, little liberal theological house just... Go! And oh, was the straw everywhere? Watch out. Oh, my Lord. And they ran to the next house. But it happened to be built of sticks. And the devil chased the piggy one to piggy two. First thing, second thing. And said, let me in. And these two said, no, not by the hair of our chinny chin chin. Will we let you any in here then? The wood said, I blew her house down. I can get yours. He said, I'm going to huff and I'm going to puff 
And all the sticks went, just got out of the straw, and now the sticks is everywhere. And then they went to the third pig. But he built solid. He built something that the powers of hell can't remove. He said, let me in! And we said, not by the name of our God and the Spirit of our God. And he said, I'm going to huff and puff and blow your house down. And we're going to say, huffing and puffing don't move this house. It's built on a solid rock. It's built on a name and a power and a truth. You're not blowing this house down. You're not bringing this house down. And so the devil, he huffed and he puffed and he huffed and he puffed. And we're just standing in there enjoying the fresh air. You don't bring this house down. It's here. It's here. Let's stand to our feet. I have tried to present to you what I think are critical issues in the realm and the powers of hell. This conference is not like other conferences. Its passion is not high emotion energy and those conferences are right. I go to them, I even preach them up and they're great and I enjoy But this is one where, whose appetite is I want to know that I may be strong. In this world where there are so many current winds and forces I want to know the real truth. And I want to be able to articulate and communicate this truth to this whole world. That's why we're here. Somebody said at times I just didn't feel like shouting. It's okay. We're not supposed to shout over what we feel. We shout over what we know. Feelings are fleeting. Truth is permanent. Let me tell you something. Facts can change. Truth does not change. Philosophy can change. Truth is forever settled. We gathered steadfast not to see who can outsmart or outdo anybody because God knows there are so many minds here that's just overwhelming. I feel the most inadequate to even be here. I lie not. But I take what I can, what I know. But one thing I am so solid on that there is only one God who is spirit, who is omnipresent, who is without bounds and without limits. Who is holy. Holiness gives purity to everything that He is. Wisdom is His truth. Knowledge is what He knows that He knows all things. This God who is one, who is omnipotent, all-powerful, lacking nothing in power. He has all power. He is power. He has all wisdom. He is wise. He has all knowledge. He is knowledge. This God is known by His name, His words, and His attributes of His eternal nature. He is good. It gives Him motivation to do everything that He does. He's just prohibiting Him from ever violating what He is. He can never will Himself to do anything contrary to His nature. He could never do that. Our God cannot lie. He monitors the behavior of the universe and sustains the world at the command of His voice and the power of His strength and of His energy. This God knows no bounds or no limits. And yet He allows man free will, free choice to make His decisions. And then God makes His decisions. This God we serve is almighty God. 
He is not mighty. You can have many mighty, but you can only have one almighty. And our God is the almighty God. We know His name, and His name is not Father, Son, and Spirit. But these are class names identifying positional roles. But His name is Jesus. And it's been highly exalted. And He the Son was given the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Every tongue should confess. Of things in heaven, things in earth, things in earth. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Let's lift our hands. Let's love God. For such a truth. For such a great, exciting truth. Raise your voice. You're good. You're overwhelmed with truth. Not with me, but with this great truth. This mighty God. Hold fast to the things. Love him a little more. I am overwhelmed. I lie not. Let me say this, and I'm trying to close. And when we close this conference, if you have been refreshed, saturated with truth, if you walk out saying, you know, I really feel good about what, where I am and what we believe, and I feel honored that God lets me be a part of this great mechanism of touching the world with this truth, then we would have. We would have achieved something. I have several books out to sell if you'd like to buy them. I'd appreciate it. But, but there are many mornings in my life. I like not. I, last May, this past May, when I say this, you're going to catch your breath. I turned 60 years old. I, I know what you're saying. The man's lying. He's not even close to that. I turned 60 years old. There's hardly a morning goes by. Four or five o'clock in the morning, I wake up and say, God, <laughs> you are there. You are here. You are really God. I, God, out of a world population of billions of people, people that worship gods and idols, people that die in doctrines of error, confusion, I'm laying here in this small home knowing you're here, your presence, your power. I know you, God. I feel you. At times, I'm overwhelmed with you. At times, I have had to pull off the side of the road in the car to stop. My mind is racing with the greatness of this God. I know you. I know you. And I am a part of the great church in this earth that holds fast the truth of you, your power, your name, and your message. Oh, God. Oh, God. I know you.